KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the John Cast. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa, and this week we've got something a little bit different for you. I've got our friend Pat Loeb here with us. She's the City Hall Bureau Chief for KYW News Radio. Hey, Pat. Hi, Sabrina. So you had a really interesting story recently about a building in Philadelphia. So tell us what the deal is. What is this building and why is it important? What's the story about? Well, it's a story of a building that almost disappeared uh, after 65 years of providing a home to Philadelphia's Irish community. The doors were about to close and it made a stunning turnaround thanks to one man. So it's, it's the story of the building, yes, but also the people that saved it. I think the most fascinating part for me is why. Why go through so much effort to hang on to this building that's in disrepair, that people weren't really using, but it just meant so much. So we're about to find out why. Let's get into it. Here's Pat's story. If you go in the front door of the Commodore Barry Club on Emlyn Street in Mount Airy, and it's Tuesday night, you walk right into Irish dancing. And yes, it sounds like a cliche. But in the next room, dancers are doing steps from a completely different part of Europe. Come another night, you'll find jazz. Another night, Brazilian drumming. On the weekend, a local family may have rented a room for a quinceanera. You want to be in today's world, you can't be just your own little entity. And I think the more you expose and bring in other people, the more successful you'll be. Sean McMenamin is not just the club's president, he's its savior. As lively as the club is now, it almost died eight years ago. That was around the time Perry Livermore became a member. The place was falling apart, and literally the tax man was at the door at an event saying, you have to pay your taxes or we're going to shut the place down. And in the ballroom, water, it was raining, water was going down the sides, and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> Livermore says McMenamin, a retired project manager for DuPont, rallied the members and convinced them the club was worth the enormous effort needed to save it. It wasn't a simple argument to make, since the very reason for the club's existence in the first place has vanished. In the beginning when it opened here, you'd be 90% Irish-born nearly. We were part of that post-Second World War, European immigration. And there's no immigration from Europe anymore. You know what I mean? It's not just Irish. So this is the story of how Sean McMenamin saved the Irish Center and why. Philadelphia has been a home for Irish immigrants since before the country was founded. The Irish Center, for instance, is named for Commodore Barry, who's also famous for lending his name to the bridge over the Delaware. He fought in the Revolution and is considered the father of the U.S. Navy. So it looks like the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick of Philadelphia is older. They, yeah, they're older. They're the oldest organization in, in probably in America, now, I'd say. Because George Washington was a member. But it was the famine of the 1840s, of course, that opened the floodgates. And the Irish kept coming in waves through the 1960s. They came for opportunity, and it was just about the only thing here for them. There were no official supports. But earlier immigrants had formed societies named for the counties they called home. Derry, Galway, Mayo, Antrim. They provided a safety net of sorts. They had their own insurance policies. And this is the one that kind of gets people going. They were all men. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a historian in a sense. 
and the man had to be between 18 and 45. And you know why 45? There was $100 death benefits. You could become a social member after 45, but you weren't entitled to benefits. And you'll see a lot of these, I've looked at some of the other different ethnic groups, it seemed that this was a, a standard. But what they did is, for 50 cents a month, you, you would get six weeks sick benefit, $5 a week. Now when somebody says $5, but in 1906 and 1907, $5 a week could almost buy your groceries. In 1958, the societies decided they wanted a central meeting point and they found a sprawling stone building in Mount Airy up for sheriff's sale. It was built in 1905 as an automobile club, so the well-heeled men from Germantown could indulge their fascination with this new form of transportation. Eventually, they lost interest. Then it became a catering hall called Ross House. The Irish Center is its third owner in 118 years. It became the, the center for big events. Back in the, in the 60s, there'd be a 1,000 people here at a society ball. A lot of people met their spouses here. For At that particular time, the mission was to support the immigrants coming and to have a place to call their own. Sixty years later, membership had dwindled and neglect was creeping through the roof and walls. But McManaman says the real catalyst for change was the actual value property tax assessment the city did in 2013. The tax bill the club got in 2014 was so far beyond the club's resources, it amounted to an eviction order. It looked like the end for the Irish Center, and the members had to ask themselves if that would be such a bad thing, given what would be needed to keep it going. The original members were passing away. Did younger generations feel the same need for a gathering place that their parents and grandparents had? The answer, after the break. This is the John Cast. I'm Pat Loeb. The Commodore Barry Irish Center for Arts and Culture was established in Mount Airy in 1958 during the last big wave of immigration from Ireland. But nearly 60 years later, immigration had stopped. The building was in disrepair, and the club received a tax bill that might as well have been a closure notice. But instead of closing, the club roared back to life, and member Perry Livermore credits one man. Sean McMiniman saved this whole place, and he did it partly because he's such a wonderful leader that he could convince people that they just had to do it. I came in here, used to work, and no money was no option. But money was no option here because there was none of it. <laughs> McMenamin led the way, but it took dozens of people to see it through. The first step was becoming a nonprofit. The original members had bought shares in the club like a corporation. They had to surrender those. A Ballard Spar attorney, Lisa Maloney, did the paperwork pro bono. That allowed the club to fundraise, and it was able to pay off debts and back taxes. McMenamin says it also enabled the club to accept free work from labor unions. Well, I'll give you a silver lining to the COVID was... The union apprentices, they were unbelievable during COVID. I mean, we were shut down, basically. So the painters' union, as you can see here, all the, the repainting, all the hardwood floors were done. 
all the electrical was We were sitting in the main room, some tables on one side, a bar on the other, and in between an open space with a large stone fireplace at one end. It's cozy and charming, and now also well-lit and a comfortable temperature, despite the July heat outside. But more than the building has been restored. The club is once again a hub of activity. Membership is growing again. New groups are using the facilities. And here we come to the why. Why would shareholders give up their stake in a valuable piece of property? Why would a big law firm do complicated paperwork for free? Why would union labor spend COVID rehabbing a building meant for immigrants who are no longer coming to the U.S.? How does it serve a community three or four generations removed and now with parents and grandparents tied to other countries of origin as well? McMenamin begins the answer in the library. Just these six books have all the Irish immigrants arriving in the port of New York, 1846, 1851, and that was the height of the famine in Ireland, them years. The library is also an archive and a museum of sorts, memorializing Irish immigration. Everything up on the wall here is all over 100 years old. The oldest charter here is the one, the ancient order of Hibernians, that's 1887, the Mayo cabin. And this will give you an idea here of some of the stuff we have here. We got these. This is a book from a membership, 1920, this book here, and the people that were at the meeting. And see the X down here, Republic of Ireland? Mm Mm-hmm. That's when they gave a loan of $2,000 to the Irish government when they were starting up, when they got their independence. It was paid back in 1948. The value of preserving this history is indisputable, especially for younger generations. With immigration long past, there's no other way to learn about it. No yarns around the dinner table or bedtime stories. But still, these are artifacts and documents. They could conceivably be moved to a new home. What is essential about the Commodore Barry Irish Center for Arts and Culture? The irreplaceable link to family and group history is happening downstairs, where there's a class in playing the pipes, and where John Shields is calling the dance. The old Irish country dances, and they come from all over Ireland, every county. I have a list of probably almost 300 dances. And where Margaret Nolan is tending bar. It feels like a second home, you know, like I've, I've been coming here since I was a kid. Just so many family events has, have happened here. Like, in a weird way, it doesn't feel like work, even though we really do work so hard because people need, you know food and beverages and the lights on and yeah it's really it's been really cool to like see that back end of it and know what it means to people yeah it's really cool to feel um, a part of that continuity between generations and between here and Ireland you know you hear it in the way that people talk about this place and talk to each other and a lot coexists here and and happens it's hard to explain that's that's my favorite thing to do when I'm bartending and I have a minute is just like when there's multiple things going on just like take it all in and appreciate that it can all happen here and and, you know um, it's a space for for so many people not just the Irish community and that was the final impetus for Sean and the members that rallied to save the club they felt it wouldn't survive another 65 years if it was just an Irish center it had to reinvent itself 
to become indispensable to the entire community. You know, we want to be part of not just the Irish community. You want to preserve Irish heritage, heritage. but also be an ambassador to other people. Uh, other people. To, that, that they, not, ju not just for the Irish no, to know themselves, that, but uh, for the... And, you know, to, to have different groups coming in. Sean first joined the Irish Center as a young, single, new American in the 1960s. It's changed in ways he couldn't have imagined then, and he couldn't be happier. Every first Friday, we have all the Irish musicians come in here, and it, it was 23 last week here, and um, I don't think one of them was born in Ireland. So it just shows you to continue the connections here, the, the culture, the Irish dance, the music... And now we have another groups here, they, they play with the Irish football and the hurling in a sense. So the young kids, so that's our connections now. It's not immigration. It's evolved to meet today's needs from what the original needs were. If you don't evolve, you're doomed. Pat, thanks so much for joining the Johncast this week. What a heartwarming story. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me. You know, I'm Irish-American, Sabrina, and... I'm probably eighth generation. I mean, my forebearers were famine immigrants, so it was, you know, 180 <laughs> years ago when they came. But I, we still do feel so connected. We do, you know, my family and I, we tell people, yeah, we're Irish-American, yeah. So <laughs> I, that connection, I do understand why it's worth preserving, and I'm glad the Irish Center had a hero like Sean to lead them to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I am not Irish myself, but I know that people with Irish heritage are very, very proud of that fact. Indeed. If you want to see what the Irish Center looks like, contra dancing and all, you can check out the link in our show notes and our Twitter at The Johncast. The Johncast is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts, and it's made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickert, Brian Seltzer, Myron Kaplan, Holly Stevens, Bibiana Correa, and me, Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and of course, our special guest this week, Pat Loeb. We'll be back in a few weeks, so make sure you're following us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts to get every new episode. Thanks for listening. Stay cool out there, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>